I'm ready. I'm excited. We are here in January 2020 Vision. So we're kicking off Vision Month today. And for a lot of people, I think about this as we come into this week. Um, every year in January, since we planted the church in 2016, every year we set aside the Sundays in January uh, for Vision. We call it Vision Month. And we want to make sure that the vision of the house here, Life Church X, is clear. And the mission that we're on to reach the world for Jesus, how we're being called to do that, that it is clear. And so it's a setting of firsts, I guess, is the way I look at it. At the first of the year, at the beginning of something, you establish a principle, you establish uh, a pattern. And so the things that we'll talk about over the next number of weeks, it's not like a one and done thing. It, the idea is that we establish it at the beginning, but it's something that's consistent in the way that we live throughout the year. Does that make sense? And so you're going to hear a lot of things uh, about who we are as a church you're going to hear a lot of things about what we believe and why we believe them. And this is important because here's what happens is people come to a house of worship and they, they decide, you know what, I'm feeling drawn here. And let me just say that the Spirit of God needs to draw you in the house that you're going to be a part of. You, you should be Spirit-led in that decision, in that approach. There should be a, a resounding peace and draw on the inside of you because God is into positioning. He positions members in the body where He wants them. And so there is a local church that God wants you to be plugged into. I firmly believe that. I believe that that's biblical. And so as people are drawn to a house of worship, they come in and they, they get involved, they become a part. And at some point, at some point, that person, those people, we must put down roots in that house. Those roots need to go deep and those roots need to go wide. And if they don't, we will never flourish into the people that God is calling us to be. And there really is a lack of this in our church culture today where in a lot of churches people have very like surface level roots they just touch the soil a little bit or maybe they come in I've used this illustration before they come in like a plant in a pot and they kind of have their own little soil around them and they set their pot down in the middle of a garden but they never become a part of that garden does it make sense and so it's like anytime they're ready they just pick that pot up and go and there's nothing that keeps them rooted to the soil you know we're laughing but that's really not funny actually I guess it is but it's not you know we've got to get rooted and grounded in in the local church I mean the local church is God's gift it's his mission it's his way of working in the world through his people I mean it's huge we love the local church here we believe in it and we believe that it's the way God is working in the earth through the Holy Spirit in His people, but the church is that entity, a living entity that God is using to transform the world in every single generation. And so uh, as you come to that house of worship, here's what you must do. You must seek to find alignment in that house. You must seek to find one, confirmation from the Spirit of God. Let me say this, if you're married, husbands and wives, there should be a witness in both of you that this is the place that you should be. There should be a, because when God speaks to one, He should speak to the other. And there should be a sense of peace. This is no small matter to determine where you're going to be and where you're going to worship. You understand that? This is a significant thing, not to be taken lightly. And so we seek to find alignment in that house you know obviously we need to agree and align on core doctrine 
We, we need to make sure that we are of common belief around some of the key principles in the Scriptures. It's, it's very critical. That's why we do our foundations class every Sunday during second service so that new people can come and they can take time to go through some biblical foundations to make sure that they understand who we are, what we believe, and why we believe that. Let me just say, there's never going to be a... Cons- you're never going to agree on every single thing, right? But we, we narrow it down to core doctrinal principles. We must align on these things if we're going to build together. Right, And I understand that there's different denominations, different doctrines, different things, and I get that. I guess you know, that's why we have different places of worship. Um, but there's one church of God, there is. There's one church of God, and it should be a unified church. And so as we come here, we seek to find alignment around those types of things. Um, and then once we do, and we have a witness from the Spirit of God, this is where we're to be. We need to plant roots and start getting involved and build together, be a part of community, be a part of serving and reaching those outside the walls here in our church. But we get strong and we get built up in here in the house of God. This is a building ground. This is a place where we get built up together and where we sharpen one another, where there's sound doctrine being taught and preached so that the Word of God can be fed. But we are also people who, it's just that whole saying, you know, you you give somebody a fish, you feed them for a day, teach them a fish, you feed them for life, right? We get taught here, but we go and we dig into the Word ourselves and we seek the things of God with us and God all through the week as well. And and so we, we just believe real strongly in those things here, that we're trying to raise people up to be strong in their faith. We, we want this to be a house where things go deep and they go wide. If, that can, if I can explain that. That we have a contending, uh, continual contending for the deep things of God in our lives and in this house of worship. We're not just looking for, you know, kind of a, a seeker-friendly environment where we're just really, uh, con- you know, we don't want to offend anybody or anything like that. So we just keep it real light and watered down. And, and so we're, we're not interested in that. We want to go deep. We want to help people go into the deeper places. What that means is there's, there's likely going to be times where you're going to come to points with God where it's like, I've never seen this side of God before. I've never, I've never dove in to these things that are a part of the Christian walk before. And that's good because we'll never reach the end of God. We'll never stop probing the depths and, and ever see the fullness of who God is and what He's all about. So there should always be that fascinating, awe-striking element in your journey to your walk with God. For some people that I've spoke to, it's, it's like they've been on autopilot for 20 years. And they've never, I'm just like, man, I'm just, that just grieves me, you know, because I just can't wait for what God has every single year, the, the deeper things that he has for us. So we go, we go deep, but we also go wide because we want to reach everybody in our community. We want to be a multicultural, multi-generational church. We, we are uh, not inclusive, right? Or it's like, you, we want everybody to feel welcome and be a part. So, I don't know how I was, so anyway, so no matter where you are in your walk with God, no matter where you come from, I, I mean, the, the, the addicted person on the street that's an atheist, I want to have an environment that they can walk into and they can meet God here yeah. and they can get to know him and he can save their soul. Yeah. Amen. And so, um, and so you're going to hear 
a lot this, these weeks about who we are and what we believe, and I just encourage you to seek to find alignment in those areas and, and to really ask yourself, am I called to build here? Am I called to plant my feet and put my roots down here? And if you are, then what does that look like? And how can we help you move forward in that process to where this isn't just a, a situation where people come in, sit down, and go out on Sundays and, and just check off a box, you know? I just, I believe that people who have that mentality will not be comfortable here. They, they probably won't be comfortable and they won't feel like this is the place that they want to be. Because this is, a, we, we want to challenge people with the Word of God. We want to challenge people with godly relationships, with biblical truths. I mean, that's how we become who God's created us to be. You understand that, right? We are confronted with the truth and it, it's like a mirror that turns back and shows us ourselves, Not what we think we look like, but what we actually look like. That's why the, the Word of God says it's like a mirror to us. It shows us the real picture and sometimes we don't like what we see, right? And we need to change some things. Praise God for that though, that the Bible is a mirror that reflects back at us and just, we don't have a picture of ourselves, what we think we look like and never actually have a mirror to look into to see the truth and Otherwise, what would, why would we change, right? So, um, listen, 2019 was a great year. It was a great year for Life Church X and honestly for the church environment in our community. I love the fact that I have friendships and relationships with so many pastors and, and all denominations across Monroe County. And, you know, I meet with different ones in different ways and some in, in groups. Um, but, man, there's just a really strong sense of God is up to something in churches across this area, that he's doing something. There's kind of a groundswell uh, that's happening. There's fruit that's coming out of all the houses of worship in different ways. Uh, and I love that because it's going to take churches working together to really break through and reach a community the way that it needs to. Amen? And so I love that. So in this house, 2019, uh, it was a great year. You know, we grew in many, many ways. We did a lot of things for our community. We were able to support a lot of missionary work as well as local uh, nonprofit extensions and work like that. We'll talk more about that um, in a couple weeks, but there's just a lot of great things that we were able to do here. And uh, also to continue to move ourselves forward for future planning and where God is taking us. For example, you know we obviously went to a third service here on Sunday mornings. And so we have the 8.30, we have the 10, we have the 11.45. And there's a little bit of room for growth in the first and in the third service, right? You can kind of tell that when you look around. The second service, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. We're having challenges in the parking lot. We've got full capacity seating. The second service uh, consistently since the beginning of October when we started this is as large as the other two combined. The first and the third service typically equal the attendance in the second service total. Now, one thing that we are going to do, I think in March our, is our plan, March or April, is to add child care in the early service in the 830. And so we do think that that will kind of help us spread out a little bit. But here's the point. Like, there, there's only so much more room that we can grow in this building, um, which is a good problem to have. <laughs> you know, that means God's doing something. And we are in the process of looking 
at what that next move looks like. And so I would ask you as a congregation to continue to pray with us about that. There's a piece of property that's for sale that we've been talking to the city about, just very early stage exploration, but potentially within 12 to 24 months, if, if it's God's will, that's his plan and doors open for us there, then that could be a new location for uh, a new campus, a new facility for us, a new house of worship, which would be exciting because there'd be more space and we might be able to go back down to one service and everybody just loves that 10 o'clock time slot. I don't know, it just, it's just convenient, you know, but you guys, praise God, you're the early risers, you know, and so, so that's been a great part of this year. Um, one of the things that God has done is he's, he's brought some real strength to us by way of people who are called to be in ministry. And we've needed that, right? We've needed people who can lead spiritually at a higher level to be able to help us build and to be able to help serving the needs of the congregation. Um, when we were 100 or less people, I'm just, some of the things I'm going to share with you, I, just, I want to I be real transparent with you. I want you to know your pastor, your, his heart. I want you to see where we're at. Um, when we were 100 or less people, I met with everybody all the time. I, you were new, I found you, and we met. I mean, I just meeting after meeting after meeting, and I, I loved it. When we got to 200, it became really difficult. Um, honestly, it caused me a lot of stress and anxiety because it's, it's, a, it's a pain for me when I can't respond to everyone, when I can't meet with everyone, when I can't do all of those things. It really is. It's like probably my greatest pain in ministry is that I, I love people, but I know that I can't do all. I'm just, I'm obviously very limited and, and stuff with a family and all those other things with time. So we needed more people to help be able to meet those needs of the congregation, which is good, which is healthy. And God has sent us a number of people over this last year, as well as people in this house that have really stepped up and God's taken them to new levels in their leadership, what they can carry and what they can handle and support. So that's been an awesome thing to see, which uh, by the way, now on Sundays, we're averaging closer to 250 or plus on uh, any given week between all three services, total attendance, kids, adults alike. And so um, so that's exciting. You know, we've had a few weeks where we've been up around 300 or more um, whenever it's like baby dedications or baptisms and things like that. And so um, God has continued to grow this church. The other thing that's happened in 2019 is God brought a very unique, um, what I would call an, a great and effective door that he opened for us by way of a ministry opportunity. If you were here last week, you know I spoke about divine opportunities and great and effective doors that only God can open. Well, this was absolutely one of them. And that is the situation that's been happening in Jerseyville, Illinois, with the Church Charity Christian Center up there that we came alongside of back in July and began doing relationship with to help them and support them in a transitional process. So I'm going to give you some updates on kind of where things are at right now because um, I, it is definitive Aside from a legal process being finalized, it is definitive now that this is going to become a Life Church X campus. And so everything, all of the necessary steps. And here's the thing, like along the way, from July to October, we were trying to be there to help support them in a transitional process. Um, you know, they came to Gateway Network looking for help. We were part of Gateway Network. They asked us to be there to serve this church, and we did that. 
And, and from July to October, we were trying to figure out what that process needed to look like. Do they need a new pastor? Do they need to do something different? By October, it became clear on everybody's part that the best thing for this church to have a future and to continue moving forward um, on all ends they, was to become a, a campus of our church, to be, come under our leadership, come under our 501c3, basically go through dissolution as the existing church was, and then transfer assets and everything underneath of our, uh, our nonprofit designation. And then we would become the governing body for that location. So from October through the end of the year, it was making sure going through due diligence to make sure that everything all the way down to bank accounts, statements, property deeds, listings, liabilities, all that stuff had to be combed through by attorneys, accountants, and all those things, you know. And, uh, and so now we're at a point here in January where this will likely finalize sometime this month, probably by the end of this month, and it'll be official. And then when that happens, what we will do is have some kind of a big launch Sunday up there in Jerseyville, Illinois. Uh, we've been sending some of our best up there every week since October to really support the pulpit, to support worship, and to really just help to move that forward. So I've been up there, Katie's been up there, Pastor Mike's been up there, Pastor Rick's been up there, Pastor David from Gateway is going up there. I mean, we've just had some great, great things going on up there every single week. And I'm just going to say it like this, that place has come alive. It is absolutely just, I've ne I mean, this is a new kind of thing for me, seeing this process to step in, and I've, I've kind of always had the benefit and the luxury of being a part of something that's exciting, something that's thriving, that's the kind of church that we grew up in, praise God for that, because that's not the case everywhere, um, but when we stepped in there, this was a church that was hurting that had an uncertain future, you know, 20 years of history, but a, an uncertain future um, of where they would go and a potential demise if something didn't change. And it's just a totally different environment, you know, when you step into that. And, um, and since we've come alongside of them and we've been able to build, grow, start working together, it's like all of a sudden, man, hope has just sparked. They were averaging probably 40, 50 people a Sunday. We're up to about 100 already right now on a Sunday up there. And it's not even, I mean, we haven't even changed the signs. We haven't changed the website. We haven't changed, none of that's happened yet. And it won't until this is all done and official. And so, man, this is just exciting, exciting stuff. And here's why it's exciting to me, um, because this is confirmation of something that was spoken over this church and over this ministry before we ever even planted here. So there were, there were multiple prophetic words that were given, um, and they were all very encouraging and, and edifying, but one in particular that was very, very powerful. Um, Katie and I were spoke over by a prophet named Jim LaFoon, and he's very well-renowned in the body of Christ for his prophetic gifting. He's you know, matured in that gift for 30, 40 years and so whenever he came into St. Louis and he called us up in a service one night and spoke a word over us and had very little knowledge, if any, about what was going on. And he said, here's the thing. He said, what's going to happen? Um, he knew nothing about this being a rural community and like farmland and all that stuff. He said, what's going to happen is it's going to be like a wildfire. It, it's going to be like a spark that that ignites in one place, but when it ignites, it's going to start spreading, and it's going to be like a wildfire that just catches over across the land. He's like, and then I see different sparks 
shooting out, you know, and beginning to start fires in other places. And that, wow, man, I just, whoo, Holy Spirit. Just. And I mean, at the time, multi-site was not even, I wasn't even thinking like that. Uh, but here in this last number of months, God quickened that word back. He brought that word back to our remembrance and our spirit, and it just like stirred something fresh in us. Does that make sense? Let me just make a point about prophecy. There are times when you get a prophetic word, and, and the manifestation or the fulfillment of that may not come for seasons ahead. And so, you know, you just, you can't live your life by prophecy, but you, it does edify and encourage. And sometimes you kind of just put that thing on the shelf and it just bakes and marinates for a long time. And then eventually it's like you pull it off and it's all of a sudden now it's fresh and ready to have, you know, and that's what I felt like this word was. And so, um, and so it's just been a really, really exciting journey to see that happening. Um, some of the things about just expansion and multi-site is in the context of that, we've, we've always felt like this was going to be a, a regional kind of church, okay? Um, where we are in Waterloo, we're predominantly serving Waterloo, but the, there is a, a regional type of reach and draw to what God is doing in and through this house. We've believed that and we've, we've prayed for that for, since the beginning. And if you look at the the demographics in our church, about 20% of our total congregation of those numbers that I just gave you earlier, about 20% actually come from St. Louis, from across the river. And there's more than, more than 30% plus that are outside of Waterloo entirely, which is pretty unique, you know, in, in the area. And so there, there's that regional draw and that regional type of feel. Um, and, and I've always prayed for God to do a work like that because I just, I want to see God move in a mighty way. I, I just, I am not, in my lifetime, I will not be satisfied with a, a stale, just, you know, cookie cutter kind of, I just, I'd do something else. I mean, I am here to see a move of God in this generation that's so powerful, that's fresh, that's new, that just sweeps across our land. And, and I believe that what God is doing, now I'm, he's starting to show me more and more of these things, I believe that what he is doing is significant in these areas like Waterloo and Jerseyville because they're, they're, there's, people consider them rural. I don't know that they really are rural, but here's the point. They're about, Jerseyville's about 8,000 people. Waterloo's about 10,000 people, you know, give or take. Um, they're reachable. They're reachable in terms of going in, making an impact, influencing a community, and seeing a city won for God. Can I just say that for a second? Let me preach that. Cities can be won for God. It's important that we know that we believe that and that we, we pray for that. Because in the Bible, it speaks about principalities and powers. A principality is, a, is like a spirit that rests over a region. In the book of Daniel, it speaks about the prince of Persia, which was an evil spirit under the control of Satan. And that prince of Persia was a spirit that rested over that region and controlled that for Satan. There was like a stronghold over that area. But you, I've, I've studied all these different stories throughout the ages, as particular in the 1900s, 
places in like Brazil and in South America, there, there have been miraculous like things that happened where cities were won for God in a matter of days or in weeks when there was witchcraft rampant and all kinds of things. Like cities can be won for God. God can, can sweep in, win a city, win the heart of the people and, and be completely in a place of influence in his ways and his things in that area and in that region. And I love that. And, and look, 10,000 people, 8,000 people, I've prayed, God, give us a tithe of the city. A tithe of the city. Here's why I pray that all the time. If it's, let's just say a thousand, a tithe of the city is a thousand, right? A tenth. The first fruits, the lump, the, the tenth, right? A 10% margin. If, if that is holy, then it leavens the rest of the lump. Does that make sense? I mean, it's, it's strong enough to just sway the rest of that lump. And I pray, God, give us a tithe of that city. And I do not mean a thousand people sitting in a chair on Sunday. That is not what I mean. I mean a thousand born-again, spirit-filled believers who are living with fire and power and walking in the purpose that God has called and created them for. And here's what's incredible. What, what always drew us to Waterloo was that it was a county seat. It was a county seat. All the other outlying areas in Monroe County, the county seat tends to be the head of what happens throughout that area, right? It's, it's the kind of the, the position, if you will, the base of, of influence for the rest of that region. If you can win the, the county seat, this was just kind of a, a vision I think God maybe spoke, gave us, but if you can win that county seat, think of how that can, can spill out into the surrounding and outlying areas after that. So it was always a big part of the draw here in Waterloo. This is a totally, completely true story. We started this whole process with Jerseyville in July. It wasn't until about October that I realized that Jerseyville was a county seat as well. I didn't even think about it. One day, Katie and I were like, I wonder if Jerseyville is a county seat. Jersey County looked up, sure enough, county seat. It, and it has that same feel. It's, it has that same draw. I mean, they got a John Deere dealership, a Ford dealership. They got a Walmart. I mean, Josh, it's like, wait a minute, where am I? I better check my GPS and make sure I'm in Jersey, going out of Waterloo. It's crazy, you know? But I see God moving like in, a, in a, these wildfires in these like kind of outlying areas and then just kind of moving into these very populated central areas and just sweeping it by storm. Like this momentum that's just carrying on in and just all of a sudden this whole area begins to be lit up by the fire and outpouring of God's spirit and what he's doing over our land. Amen? Amen. 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 So, one of the things that is a really big part of this month, Envision Month, is next week on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, our first conference. And that to me is a really, really big deal be, and we haven't done this before in Vision Month. This is the first time, and now we have the, the people and the resources and the skill to be able to pull this off. Um, but this is basically about setting aside time, intentional time, at the beginning of the year to really press in and go deep with God. Deep calls unto deep. And that God is calling unto the deep things that are in us that he wants to bring us into and, and pull out of us. And so it's kind of like I said in the very beginning this morning with that word, be still and know that I am God. Like we have to, we, the, the people who will, 
are willing and steadfast about essentially rebelling against culture are the ones who are really going to be able to create the space in their life for God to do the things that he wants to do. I'm just convinced that that is probably the greatest challenge in the body of Christ in our generation right now, is to be able to get away from the busyness and the clutter and the noise of everyday life that just drowns out the voice of God in so many people's walks. And so this, these three nights is about time where we're going to really press in. We're going to really seek God. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. You know, we're going to hear the word. We're going to, we're going to really unlock some things, I believe. And it's, it's sort of setting aside and consecrating time at the first of our year and saying, God, we want your hand to be upon this whole year. We want you to bless the rest of this year. And we're setting aside time to go deep with you. But most importantly, a lot of the things that we're going to experience and, and step into is a part of what will hopefully build into an actual lifestyle in us to where a life of worship, a life of prayer, a life of intimacy with God, that it's a lifestyle, it's not a conference moment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And these types of things can build, they can kind of stir up the things. I mean, Paul, Paul said, stir up the gift of God, Timothy, that's in you, because it's settled. It needs to be stirred back up. We need to be stirred up. I mean, that's, that's the reality of our human condition. We need to be stirred up. And so things like this stir things up, but it will provoke and ideally just to spark a lifestyle that is continually sustained, where we're living that way and living from that place. And so those three nights, you know, first uh, two are here in Waterloo. And then the Tuesday night, we're going to close it out up in Jerseyville. Man, I can't stress enough how much I would invite and love everybody to come that Tuesday night that can, that can be a part of that. I know it's a little bit of a haul, but it'd be a great opportunity for you to see the facility, see the campus, um, see everything that's up there. Um, it really is a beautiful place. It's, it's an immaculate uh, facility and sanctuary, and they've got outbuildings and all kinds of things up there. Just really be a nice night for you to be able to do that. And my very, very dear friend, Pastor Sean Williams, is going to come and he's going to lead worship for us all three nights. Our team's going to work with him. But Pastor Sean, uh, he's an African American pastor, planted a church down off of Loughborough, I think, in the city. He and I were on staff together all those years at the Fenton Church. He was the worship pastor. I was an associate pastor and then campus pastor. But we were basically like uh, colleagues, you know, and worked together there. Sean is just incredible. There's a gift on him for worship. I mean, James, would you agree? I, I have still, I've been at conferences, I've been places. And you know, how one of those, it's one of those things where like, Later on down the road, you, you, realize. you realize and you appreciate what you had, yeah. you know? And, and man, he just, there's just an anointing on him for worship that is so powerful. And I just, I, I hope you guys will come and, and be exposed to that because it's good to be exposed to different anointings and sit under different anointings, you know? Um, and that's one of the things about building a healthy church that's important. There needs to be that good balanced diet of a variety of God's anointings on the leadership that's in that house. And so God's continuing to, to raise that up here. But I'm excited about that. And one of the things we're going to do, I'm never going to get through all my notes. Oh my gosh. One of the things that we're going to do during those three days, and for some of you this will, this will be a first. This will be something that maybe you've never done before. But I would encourage you to consider doing this. For those three days, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, we're going to have a corporate fast. Okay, We're going to fast together as a church family. 
Now, we don't need to get legalistic about this, okay? There's different ways to fast. Um, but let me explain the principle of fasting because that's, that's what's important. Um, and God even says in the Word, a fast with the wrong heart is, is useless. It's, it's pointless. It's not a fast that I have asked you for is what God says in the book of Isaiah. Um, but when we do fast, what that does is, okay, let's say you fast eating and you just drink water for three days. That's kind of like, that's like the biggest one, right? Um, some people fast technology. Some people fast meat, you know, and just do fruits and vegetables and water. We've fasted for many different points over the years, and a lot of those times my wife's been pregnant because, you know, do the math, and usually she is. So, um, and, and so there's certain things that she has to do, you know, when, during those times if we're fasting for multiple days. But typically when we will fast, it's when we're really just trying to press in with God. It's when we're really just kind of seeking a breakthrough or we're just, we feel that we need to draw close to him or we're praying for something intently that we maybe don't have direction about yet and we believe that God's going to give it. But it, what it does is it's kind of a lost spiritual discipline in the church today. Um, it, it builds spiritual strength and spiritual maturity because the idea is when, you're, when you get hungry, or you want to go to that thing that you're fasting, which means to restrain yourself from, right? You, you're not having what you want. When you want that and you, you resist it and you don't allow your body to have it, you are suppressing the flesh so the spirit can get stronger. What you're doing is you're saying, you know what, I'm hungry right now. I'd normally be eating and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink water or I'm going to have a protein shake or whatever you do. And, and not eat this meal, and then I'm going to focus on God during this time. I'm going to fill this time where I would normally be giving my body the pleasure that it, it is wanting, and I'm going to fast that, and I'm going to fill that space with God. And you do that for however many days, you know, or however long you choose to do that. We're going to do it for three days during the conference. Um, and so it's so important that our spirit is the stronger part of our being, not the flesh right? We are body, mind, and spirit. And the Bible tells us that the flesh is at war constantly with the spirit. They want different things. They're contrary to one another. Well, if the flesh is the stronger part of your man, your being, body, mind, and spirit, that's a problem. It is for you and for the things that God has for you. Your spirit needs to be the stronger part of you. You understand? I mean, it doesn't mean that we starve ourselves all the time. Obviously, that's not the point. The point is, is that we fast things in our life that are pleasures or enjoyments or just things that are normal that we have, and we fill that space with God, and we allow the spirit man to get stronger. There are fasts all through the Bible, and Jesus even said this. He said, when you fast, not if you fast. Okay, so fasting is very important. It's something that is a part of a lifestyle throughout seasons and periods of our lives where we come to, we say, I'm, I'm going to fast. But the other part of that is that Jesus, when he says, when you fast, not if you fast, he says, don't do it the way the Pharisees do it. Because when they fast, uh, uh, and they walk around in the streets and they're like, I'm fasting, I'm so holy, oh, I'm so righteous, you know. He's like, Nobody should know you're fasting. He says, wash your face, freshen yourself up, hold your head up high, go out, and, and don't share that. That's between you and God. <laughs> Something that's happening with you and Him. He even says, if you go out and you broadcast that in the streets like the Pharisees do, you've got your reward there. 
and you lose your reward with the Father. Like, this is about intimacy. This is about drawing close to God. And I'll just say, if you've never done it before, maybe just trust your pastor and, and do it with the right heart to, to press in and go deeper with God and see what happens. The first fast that I ever did, that's the way it happened for me. I trusted my pastor. We did it. It was one of the biggest breakthrough moments in my spiritual journey that I ever experienced. Honestly, it was incredible, and it became a part of my lifestyle from then on out, where multiple times throughout the year, just depending on what's going on, we'll press in and fast. Hey, when we were thinking about adding a third service, when we were thinking about buying the building, I, we fasted during every one of those things, and there was always clarity that God began to give that, that was maybe better than what we had before. But more importantly, He just, he just showed up, and he just, he just helped us to know more of Him. You know, One of the things I love in Daniel Chapter one, you know, Daniel and his um, his colleagues, they 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 fasted because the king came to Daniel, his king's servant, and said, "Look, you're part of the king's advisory board, and you guys, the king has ordered that you have all the delicacies of the king, the best foods, the best drinks. Like you're going to be fancied up with all that." And likely these types of foods were sacrificed to idols and false gods and all these things. And Daniel, he said, we're not going to do that. Um, and then the servant of the king said, well, you have to because when you come to the king and he sees that you're malnourished, my head's going to come off. He's going to kill me because you're supposed to be looking good. And you're going to look famished and you're going to you know, look all sank in and not healthy. And Daniel says, test this. For 10 days, bring nothing but vegetables and water and none of the king's delicacies, and, and test it and see what happens. So the servant said, okay, well, I guess, you know, 10 days, probably I won't get my head cut off if it's not going the wrong way, and then we'll see what happens. So he brings what Daniel asked, and then after 10 days, the servant of the king said, I don't understand this. This is unbelievable. This is crazy, but you actually look healthier in your countenance and your skin and your facial. Everything about you and your friends is healthier than the king's other men. And it says when that happened, when they fasted, that God filled them with a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Hallelujah. The spirit of wisdom and understanding that God wants to continue filling us with in our lives so that we can know the things of God and the direction that he wants to take us in. Amen? Amen. So I would just encourage you, you got this week, to kind of pray about it, think about it, and, uh, and just make a decision Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So, you know, wake up Sunday morning and fast begins. And then Tuesday night after we close out the conference in Jerseyville, that will be the break of the fast. And so um, we'll likely be eating Tuesday night. So anyway, <laughs> but don't overdo it if you fast food for three days because you'll get sick. I do every time. I'm like, I'm starving, you know. Get a big steak and then I can't sleep. And oh, yeah, anyway. Anyway, um, I'm not even going to get to my message today. Is this helpful? Though? Is this good stuff? Awesome. I, I do want to say this, and then I'll save the rest of it for another week here. Um, let's read Matthew chapter 16. Go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. Simon Peter answered and said, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So this is where Jesus asked Peter. Peter's like, people are saying all kinds of things, Lord. There's rumors everywhere. And so Jesus says, uh, well, who do you say that I am, Peter? And so Peter answered and said, you're Christ. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, well, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but to my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So the title of my message that I didn't get to today was, God will grow his church. This has been one of the more profound revelations that God has given me in just the last year. And, and you say, well, didn't you know that? I, got, I mean, I did, but it just all of a sudden at a deeper level came alive in me and a trust in God at a deeper level than ever before is that at the end of the day, we can do everything we do, folks, and all the things that we can set out to do. We can't grow the church. We as people cannot grow the church. God is the one who must grow his church. And in these scriptures right here, Jesus, this is the first time in the scriptures where the word church, ecclesia in the Greek, is used. Okay? And Jesus says, I will build my church. He takes total and, and single responsibility for growing his church. He will work through us, but he is the one who must grow it. Frankly, it, it kind of scares me to think if we could grow it without him, honestly. Because he is doing a work in and through us, in and through the body of Christ, and the church of God is created to grow. It is created to grow. And growth comes in by two ways. It comes by maturity and multiplication. This is that whole deep and wide thing that I was just talking about earlier. Maturity and multiplication. We, we, we're not talking about a picture of buildings filled with people who don't even know how to pray. Um, who don't even know if they're saved. We're, we're talking about mature, strong Christians, people who are strong in their faith, who are growing up in their faith to a mature place where they can really walk out the things that God is calling them to do from a place of strength, maturity. So a, a church of people who are strong in the word, who are strong in the faith, and who can disciple other believers who are coming and seeking that same thing. We've got to have that. God will grow his church, maturity, but also by way of multiplication. And, and this explosion of the New Testament church really happens in the book of Acts. That's really where it starts. When Jesus, because he said, after I leave, I'm going to send a helper. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. We know that. And he said that when he comes, he's going to endue you with power on high, which indicates there is a power presently lacking that they needed that didn't come until the Holy Spirit baptized them. You get that. And so he said, go and contend and tarry in the city until that happens. And when that happened, they were filled with power and they were filled with fire. And they went out and miracles just started exploding all over the place. But the very first day, 3,000 people were added to the church. 3,000. It was an explosive beginning. But study all through the Acts. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 7, chapter 9, chapter 16. Here's the things you continue to see. And God added to the church daily. And God grew the disciples daily. And God grew the multitude. And then God, the word of God spread and the numbers of the multitude increased daily. The church is meant to grow. It's meant to grow. And here's the reality. I was just reading this article last night. I'm going to close here. There is, according to experts, and you can't really argue with this, 
statistically, there is actually a church epidemic in the United States. Churches are dying and closing and shutting their doors at unprecedented rates. It's, it's, never, it's been like this for about the last decade. It's never been like this prior in the history of our United States culture. There's estimated, they, they can't really nail the numbers down, but they estimate between six and 10,000 churches close every single year. And of course, people are saying Christianity is dying in the, in the United States. You know, the church is going away. The church is becoming irrelevant. And, you know, and all these different things. And here's what I'm saying. That may be the picture that's, that, we're, that we're seeing statistically. But that is not God's plan for the people who, walk, who live in His land. God says, I will grow my church. And I trust and believe with all my heart that He's done everything that's happened here, but there's so much more to come. There's so much more to come. And when He says, I'll grow my church, that means He's not just growing, He's growing the corporate body, but He's growing the corporate body because He's growing the members in that body. Does that make sense? When we get strong, when we get full of fire, when we share our testimony, when we witness to other people, numbers grow, but we grow in strength. And as the members get stronger, so goes the body. So goes the rest of the whole. I love the quote by Abraham Lincoln where he says, the strength of a nation lies in the homes of the families in the land. Hallelujah. We need to raise up strong families, strong believers who are on fire with purpose for God and what he's called them to do now in our generation. This is the mission that we are about. And I pray that we will all lock arms together and that we'll go out and we'll do the good work of the Lord this year. Amen.